Naturally occurring black pigments in vegetables, spices, and seeds have been found to have powerful anti-inflammatory effects. Hi, this is Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and I'm excited about what I think may be the next big thing in anti-inflammatory supplements, a brand new all-natural daily preventative against a host of possible inflammatory issues. Black for Health Liquid Extract from Future Farm Botanicals. Black for Health combines four plant-based foods, black garlic, black radish root, black cumin seed, and black peppercorn containing high levels of body-ready healing botanicals. Black for Health supports your liver, skin, cholesterol, blood pressure, and weight management, circulation, and immunity. It's a tasty supplement with liposome complex for optimal absorption. For more information or to order, call 888-841-7216, 888-841-7216, or go to myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman. That's myfuture. Farm, P-H-A-R-M, myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman, myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman. Welcome back to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and today we're talking to Dr. Kenneth Brown, who's a board-certified gastroenterologist who's done extensive clinical research on IBS and SIBO. Uh, he's the developer of a product called Atrantil, and we're going to find out more about it uh, because it's a plausible, not just an alternative, uh, but an add-on to conventional therapy for SIBO, which now relies virtually entirely on the use of a medication, Zyfaxin, uh, which can work, but often doesn't produce sustained results, is extremely expensive. And uh, so clearly there's a gap, and that gap has been filled by uh, Dr. Kenneth Brown's research. Uh, Dr. Brown, so uh, tell us, what are the constituents of Atrantil? We, you know, we introduced that in part one. Uh, one of the constituents is something that's fed to livestock to prevent them from uh, having a lot of methane flatulence. I mean, Maybe mm -hmm. this is the solution to global warming, you know, but what's the application that's, of humans? That's actually why they were doing that. Yeah, they were actually looking at that since the, um, since cattle, um, it's actually the cattle when they eat, they break down the fiber and they burp it up. And they've actually shown that this in areas where you have all these millions of cattle that actually has an effect on the greenhouse. So that is certainly global warming is being contributed by some of our cows out there. So that's how we ended up coming up with this. In fact, when uh, when we were trying to figure out a natural solution to decrease the IBS constipated uh, patient, that's how we ended up developing Atrantil. And we did it by looking at all that literature. And we realized that something, a tree in South America, really held the key to everything. And that is known as Cabracho Colorado. Wow. And never, never heard of it until now. I, I, and it's it's fascinating because nobody had ever put this into a supplement, but it's actually a food source. So what it is known as, it's a polyphenol, and it's a big polyphenol called a proanthocyanidin. Mm -hmm. And what that means is it's just a really big molecule that does something that we needed it to do. It doesn't get absorbed. So it stays in the lumen of the intestine where you have this bacteria. And we realized that that has a natural, that particular tree has a natural defense against archaea species, both fungi and archaea species. It's a very ancient tree hmm. that has developed itself to protect 
um, to protect its bark from archaea. So that we realize makes that sense because a lot of the natural remedies, for example, antifungal uh, products are derived from plants that live in moist environments uh, where the bark is rich in these compounds that inhibit the growth of yeast, candida, mm -hmm. fungal species, because otherwise the, the, the plants would rot away in a tropical environment. Exactly. And so we, we realized that we needed to have the quebracho in there. And then the other ingredient, which is horse chestnut or conquer tree, the extract, that actually works as an antimicrobial. But more importantly, it was shown that it can block the enzyme that the archaeobacter uses to produce methane. And then the third ingredient, very common one, is peppermint. We wanted that just to calm the area down so these other two ingredients can work better. So the peppermint calms it down. We use the leaf, not the oil, because I wanted the polyphenol component of it. Then the cabracho comes in, this big, gorgeous molecule comes in, and it soaks up the hydrogen. So it starts to starve the archaea species. And then it weakens the archaea by weakening the walls. And then the third ingredient just slips in and actually blocks the methane production. So it makes it a very unhospitable environment for this archaea species so it can go back to the colon where it should go now the beauty is we're seeing a lot of interesting benefits and this is like knocking down one door and i'm learning a whole lot more ever since we started down this journey and meeting scientists from all over the world and as it turns out these molecules that don't get absorbed they go to the colon where we had talked a little bit about in part one about how your own colonic bacteria, your multibiome will break them down into potentially beneficial things for you, which can lead to anti-aging, anti-inflammatory. That's the stuff that these polyphenols can do for you. So uh, there are other uh, traditional ingredients in natural products for SIBO. And, and peppermint, by the way, is a popular ingredient. The other two uh, Cabracho and horse chestnut less frequently invoked. So that's mm -hmm. your original contribution. Peppermint is an antispasmodic. I actually wrote a, a paper. Oh my goodness. It must have been in the 1980s about the, uh, antispasmodic effects of peppermint in IBS. It's well known. Yeah. Um, and it is a bit of a natural antibiotic. It suppresses bacterial overgrowth, but other ingredients, oregano, garlic, berberine, um, how do you feel about those ingredients? Are those a potential complement to atrantil or do they, uh, are they less efficacious in your opinion? Well, um, so I have had a lot of patients come to me on that. I do use some. I've tried to find some when people have really tough to treat, we'll augment it by adding one of those different regimens. I did um, publish a study in 2015 in the World Journal of Gastrointestinal Pharmacology and Therapeutics where we looked at people to qualify for this particular study. I call it my worst of the worst. And they basically had to have failed everything. This is mm -hmm. when we were doing our final studies on Atrantil. But they had to fail um, Zyfaxin plus Neomycin. So that's the mm -hmm. regimen you'll see traditional right. doctors that's use. That's the Zyfaxin other thing that sometimes Neomycin. Neomycin thought to be maybe effective against methane uh, production. But in my opinion, it's kind of hit or miss. Doesn't always work. Exactly. Exactly. And I kind of have found the same thing. I do use it occasionally in really tough cases, but so they had to have failed Zyfaxin, Neomycin, um, probiotics, uh, herbal antimicrobials, because at this point we, we weren't commercially available. So everybody that had come to me as a second opinion had already tried some of those things. And so they were still suffering. 
So we took those people and we had a 88% overall quality of life improvement. We had a 78% improvement in bloating scores and, you know, a 36% improvement in constipation. So that's when I knew that we were- This is published research. It's not just, you know, on hearsay and or like uh, a couple of anecdotal testimonials. Yeah, correct. And so we've, you know, yeah, Google Scholar, you can look that up and- um, And so we, I initially did a randomized placebo controlled trial that was our first trial that we did. And we, what we really found with that one, which was interesting is we were looking to help the overall constitution of symptoms, but we realized that we really had ourselves a bloating product because nothing out there really helps with the bloating. So we showed in this particular study that we got published in the journal of gastroenterology and hepatology that we had almost a 71% improvement in bloating, or we had 91% of the participants actually improve with their bloating. And that was the thing that was bothering everybody the most. So we really have ourselves a bloating product that helps correct and get your intestines back to the way that they should be. So if somebody says, I was normal, I got sick, and now I eat and I'm six months pregnant, I can say four out of five times, we're going to get you feeling better if you take our Trontil in the appropriate dosing for the appropriate amount of time. So, so let's talk about that. I mean, how much do you have to take? And this is available over the counter online, right? There's a website. Correct. Correct. Yeah. So we're in Spell retailers it, please, also. It's a little bit unusual. I know. <laughs> so this is one of the, uh, um, yeah. So it's, it, this is my first foray into a startup company. We, we, uh, it, if you try and name something, everybody asks, why do you call it Atrantil? So it's A T R A N T I L. And Dr. Hoffman, you'll get a kick out of this because if you try and trademark something, mm-hmm. pharmaceutical companies have whole divisions where they trademark names, and which is why these up. drugs and, lock them and up they too. lock them up. Yeah. And if you are phonetically or visually close to it, there these some of these companies are known as trademark bullies. They'll yeah. let you get off the ground yeah. and then come after you. So we had to <laughs> make up a name and uh, we had to play that game. And so this was, we were able to uh, get a trademark on Atron Teal. And so you use a little random what, letter generator to come up with it? No, I'm not just kidding. Oh, you know what? Almost because this is, this is a process that was actually going on with all my staff. So we've got, I've got a surgery center that we have a, a bunch of, I think there's probably 30 people employed there. And of course I have my office that I've, I work with uh, seven other doctors in my office. So we have a lot of them. Employees. And so I just taped up blank sheets of paper <laughs> in the hallway. And I said, any idea come to mind, you guys just write it down. And it was, it ended up becoming a global fun process for all the employees to try and, you know, we had to think of a name and of all the things that uh, we didn't realize that would uh, end up kind of being a difficult thing was actually trying to come up with a name. So, but yes. Oh, and we're, um, you're in New York. We are in, um, we're in retailers. We're in Wegmans over there in Good. the, New York area there. So mm-hmm. if you ever pop into a Wegmans, we're there. So and, and of but course yeah, there's a website. And the website for you is what? Uh it's uh atrantil.com. So it's A-T-R-A-N-T-I-L dot com. Mm-hmm. And then I'm KennethBrownMD.com for And there's a lot of explanatory videos on uh, YouTube about this, right? And the, more mm-hmm. about your research and they can see your lovely visage explaining it yourself. So yes. uh, you know, so let's talk about, you know, the how long does it take? What can patients expect? Is there die off? Because for some, you know, taking certain things, patients um, are confused. They they don't feel as well, and they wonder, you know, maybe the product I'm taking is making me sick, or is it die off? What's going on? Yeah, so those are all great questions. So one of the things that we realized is that like all things, proper dosing, proper expectations, and time commitment 
um, are really important because as you probably see with your patients, you'll, you'll put them on either a pharmaceutical agent or even a natural product and they'll take one dose and go, I didn't see anything. And that's not how it works. We, this, the way that we did the clinical trials is that we, I based it very similar to what we were doing with Zyfaxin at the time. So it's going to be two capsules three times a day with or without food. Mm-hmm. My patients tend to have a better response if they take it with food. Mm-hmm. And two capsules three times a day for – I try to get everybody to take it for 20 days. Mm-hmm. Um, some people will see a benefit very quickly. Very rarely, somebody may have to take a little bit longer. And most of the time, if you bloat, four out of five people are going to have significant improvement. Now, you brought something up called die-off, which is very interesting. So die-off happens when you um, actually are getting rid of these bacteria, specifically the archaeobacter. They do not have organelles, meaning that when they die, they just kind of spill their stuff out, and the body will react to it. So in a small percentage of people, and I would say that, I, I don't know, maybe 5% of the people that I treat will have a die-off. But I warn them that if you start to feel that, in other words, if you feel like you may have a little flu-like symptoms or the bloating gets worse, it's actually a good thing because mm-hmm. that means you have a huge bacterial load mm-hmm. and, you're, and you're moving the needle right now. So stick with it. And so now most of my patients are very aware of it. They'll call me up or they'll email me and they're like, ah, oh, it's so exciting. I'm, my bloating's worse. I'm three days into it. I'm like, good, (laughs) stick it out because there's a chance that you're going to come out on the other end much, much better. Okay. So die-off can be a real phenomenon. Uh, What about the issue of uh, motility? Because for some people, it's thought that that's that backup, you know, instead of a a clear stream, uh, sort of a a murky uh, uh, backed up dam effect occurs in the intestinal tract, and that's responsible for the bacterial overgrowth. And so try as you might to eradicate the bacteria, you got to do something about the motility. Are some of the agents in this uh, atrantil, do they help restore motility? Well, I think that, so there's a couple things with the whole motility. If we start learning more about bacterial overgrowth SIBO, I almost think that it is more of a motility issue than anything else, because if you have proper motility, then your body will not allow those bacteria to grow. In part one, I had mentioned that there's a test where you can look at what's called the vinculin antibody and the CDTB antibody. And what those do is those look at antibodies that your body produces when it's exposed to certain bacteria. And what they do is they actually, if you can imagine them, they mistake your pacemaker cells. And so in our intestines, we've got, if you can imagine it, it's almost like, think of it like phone telephone wires where they connect and it keeps this, keeps everything moving in the right direction from mouth to anus. Mm-hmm. Well, these so little peristalsis is like a worm-like uh, you know, undulation of your intestinal tract. Exactly. And so there, there's always an electrical stimulus to start this process of moving everything down. And you, the body can produce these antibodies that mistake those cells, those cell towers, and they'll actually shut them off. Wow. So in 20% of the people that get this, you can almost think of it like an autoimmune process yeah. because the body keeps shutting off this area. So the motility is super important. Now, one of the biggest things that I work with with my patients to make sure that they have good motility is good sleep. When you have a good night's sleep and get into a proper sleep hygiene, 
every 90 minutes or so, your body does what's called the housekeeper phenomenon. And it'll send a large, um, aggressive peristaltic wave to keep everything moving. What I have seen is, is that because of people and having bad sleep hygiene or they work late or they look at their phone when they're going to bed and all the other reasons why people don't sleep well, well, then they never get into this part where they can actually have that cleaning effect. Hmm. So super important that that actually takes place. Um, I tend to use different motility agents at night mostly. So when we uh, were doing the original Zyfaxin studies, or not in the study, but when we were treating, I would always add something that's no longer available right now called Zelnorm, Lodos Zelnorm yeah, yeah, at it's night. It's not taken off the market, right? Mm-hmm. And that, what, what that would do is that would, that would trick the body into having one of those housekeeper mm-hmm. waves. Sometimes we use erythromycin. Little low dose erythromycin, very low dose, right? Exactly. Yeah. So mm-hmm. if a typical dose would be whatever, you like, I think thousand. Yeah. So I'll use anywhere between 50 to a hundred milligrams at night. Mm-hmm. To, to give you an idea, when in, you take erythromycin for an infection, it's more like 250 or 500 or 1,000. Yeah, and everybody always complains that their gut hurts. Well, this is, this is the reason. It actually stimulates the motilin receptor and turns this and turns your intestines on so that you'll start having that. That's how come. It's not so much designed to kill the bugs. It's, it, it gets things moving for some reason. It's one correct. of the knock-on effects of the erythromycin. It's not antibacterial. Yeah, so it's basically we're using the side effect of erythromycin yeah. to mm-hmm. to help move things along. So I'll do that in really tough cases. Fortunately, most of the time, we don't really need to use a whole lot of promotility agents with Atrantil because once you get rid of the bacteria, then the body will go back to its normal process. Stop suppressing the motility, right? Yeah. yeah. And so sometimes we'll use a little ginger and things. I imagine you have some some tricks. What do you like to use for motility on, on the natural Bitters, space? sometimes digestive bitters, Swedish bitters, things like that. These are so-called cholagogs that traditionally are used to move things along. Um, you know, uh, artichoke, uh, milk thistle, things along those lines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've used, yeah, I've been using a little bit of artichoke recently. Yes, I'm glad that you said that. Mm-hmm. And... I'm fairly like I'm considering myself more of a functional gastroenterologist now, but I'm really, you know, I'm I'm learning a lot. So now I'm having a lot of fun going to these, um, a, you know, IFM conferences, mm-hmm. A4M things like that, and, and learning. So that's very talking, very open talking to, to people. We need more gastros uh, who are, you know, using a you know the dual approach. I mean, your pharmaceutical approach and the the best of natural medicine. Uh, talk about uh, probiotics for a moment. You know, a lot of people take probiotics for IBS. Good idea, bad idea. Can there be a backlash from probiotic use? Yeah, so the probiotics is kind of a touchy subject, as you can imagine, because so many people love their probiotics. Um, I think 18 to $20 billion a year are spent on probiotics. The problem is that if you have bacteria growing where it shouldn't, high up in the small intestine, by taking probiotics, you may be adding a little fuel to the fire. Mm-hmm. So it is possible that probiotics could be making they could help SIBO they could worse. actually make things worse since it is bacterial yeah. overgrowth. You're adding bacteria, which may be counterproductive. Uh, exactly, and then well, recently fascinating, Dr. Satish Rao out of um, Georgia, University of Georgia, published a study this year where he was looking at study, people. I think you're talking exactly, about. exactly, yeah, and he was able to show that these bacteria, when you take probiotics that are lactobacillus probiotics, they actually produce lactic acid. That lactic acid elevates in, in people with bacterial overgrowth, and that crosses the blood-brain barrier and leads to some of the neuroinflammation that we were talking about earlier. So my my take on probiotics, if you have bacterial overgrowth, um, 
it's easy for me because all of my patients show up already have tried 10, been, 20 been different times. Yeah. yeah, been there, done that. So it's really easy to go, well, if it didn't work, why don't we just hold off? Mm-hmm. If it does work, like I like I uh, tell all my patients, the data on probiotics, um, the research data shows it to be equivalent to placebo in large trials over time. But individually, it may make a big difference yeah. in certain Different strokes so, for different folks. It's exactly. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. So what about the effects of diet? Because surely, I mean, when I go, like, see these drug ads, and you're familiar with them, you know, drugs for ulcerative colitis and Crohn's disease, it basically shows people at country fairs and, you know, they're at the hot dog stand or the pizza stand and they turn away sorrowfully because they have uh, gastrointestinal symptoms. And then it shows them afterwards and they're able to chomp down on all these uh, desired foods uh, because they're taking some powerful uh, immunosuppressant drug. Uh, <laughs> can you just take a, a, a Trantil and, and forget about diet or do you urge people to follow a certain dietary approach to ensure better results? <laughs> well, so this is, I think deep down, all health begins and ends in the gut. And diet is the most important thing that we can actually do. The Dealing with inflammatory bowel disease, IBD, Crohn's and colitis, I have a huge IBD practice. And we now know that when we were talking earlier about leaky gut, we now know that intestinal permeability can actually be increased by SIBO or infections. So that's one way to do it. Zonulin, a molecule that the body produces when it's exposed to gliadin or wheat. And then diet. We know that uh, all that stuff, when you're talking about those people going to those fairs and everything and eating whatever they want to eat, we know that when you eat a diet that's very high, uh, that's processed, there's a lot of things in there like Roundup that's being sprayed on everything Mm -hmm. that can actually be – it's been shown on a cellular level to cause some local inflammatory issues in the gut. So when you do this on a regular basis. Emulsifiers and synthetic ingredients that are harmful. 100%. So the question is IBD and not just IBD but all autoimmune diseases, it is growing exponentially. The American diet or the American way of life is really creating an autoimmune crisis. So, I mean, look at all the people that, you know, that show up with thyroid issues. Now we're seeing celiac disease increasing, IBD. And in my field, it's liver disease also and all kinds of stuff. We know that something is going on. So, um, you know, the setup for that is I do cringe when I see people go, oh, well, I'll just take this heavy duty biologic it's $10,000 a month and then I can eat whatever I want to eat. And the reality is that if we can clean your diet up, get you into more of a, um, I like to have my IBD people go, if possible, go gluten-free, try and do more of a whole diet, um, go to the organics. And I see a lot of my patients that improve dramatically just by changing their diet and lifestyle. And, you know, I have a lot of my patients that can actually um, avoid medication as, by as just we, changing life. The, the low FODMAP diet for SIBO, is that something you employ because of the idea is to reduce the fermentable carbohydrates that can drive bacterial proliferation? Yeah, so that is a, that is a great thing. So the low FODMAP diet, the, that is the um, fermentable oligosaccharide, disaccharide, monosaccharide, and polyols. That's the acronym for it. The best thing it has going for it is that it's, it's easy to say, FODMAP. So you'll see a lot of doctors say, oh, you should try FODMAP. You can go look it up because it's easy to say. In clinical studies, when you look at this, 
they showed a 28% improvement in IBS scores. So yes, it can help people. But now we're seeing another study that came out of University of Michigan this past year showed that if you're on a low FODMAP diet for more than three months, they're seeing significant micronutrient deficiency. Mm -hmm. So you're taking a lot of good foods out. So I'm not a fan of that. I want to get to the bottom of it. Um, when you look at a gluten-free diet, they actually showed a 28% decrease in IBS symptoms also. And so I try to, at least in America, where I think that uh, we process the food a little bit differently because you don't see these kind of things in Europe. I was in Spain um, last summer and I was just shocked to see, you know, people are still smoking and they're <laughs> eating dinner at midnight and they're eating, you know, cured bread and, or other cured meats and cheese and bread. And they just seem to be um, having a little more fun than us. And then when I came back and looked up the rates of diabetes, coronary artery disease, dementia, we're way more. Mm -hmm. So the there's Spanish something. paradox. Yeah. Yeah. There's something going on. Yeah. So, so uh, low, low FODMAP, a good good temporary if you really want to try and decrease that, but not a good thing to stay on for a long time. Okay. Well, you know, listen, I want to really congratulate you because you've really done a marvelous uh, synthesis between your training as a straight board certified gastroenterologist and uh, looking at uh, some more creative solutions to problems that are only partially addressed with the drug therapies that we now have available. Uh, the product is at Atrantil. And <laughs> yeah, I, like, ah, uh, ah, uh, my belly's better. Ah, ah, Trantil. Okay. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so get more information at the website, which is just Google at Trantil. And you can find out more through Dr. Kenneth Brown, who's got some great uh, YouTube uh, videos on the subject. Um, I do want to. Uh, yeah, go ahead. I, I, I just want to, because I'm going to need your help on this one here. Sure. Um, it's kind of funny. So I'm a part of a large gastroenterology group called Digestive Health Associates of Texas. I think we're 90 gastroenterologists right now. In, Relocated the, in what town? In, in Dallas, in Dallas, Dallas Texas. Okay. So um, we do have a very large research division. And mm -hmm. so I'm kind of, uh, I'm now such a big believer that we can accomplish things in the natural space that I'm trying to get my company to open up a functional research arm. It you know won't be as lucrative as the pharmaceutical arm that we have, but we'll be able to sit and bring people like you over and go, okay, what are some protocols that you really like? Mm -hmm. right. And we could do some functional research. So that's something that that's my new 2019 goal to try and get my company to open that up for, um, you know, because you, you're seeing a lot of things that uh, are just not getting out to the general public because there's no clinical studies. Well, I think we need to change that. Well, absolutely. If you can't get out to New York uh, in February for the uh, uh, Integrative Healthcare Symposium, um, where I'm speaking on the subject of ulcerative colitis and Crohn's disease. I'll, I'll oh, send you the awesome. slides. I'll send you the slides. And, you know, what, I, what is the date? I would love to come out. And it's do uh, that February 21st. And, you know, it's just a great conference. I mean, it started out as a small conference about 10, 12 years ago. Now it's become a, one of the big conferences where, uh, you know, some of the top people in the field of integrative medicine get together. And uh, I was very flattered to have been invited to speak on the subject of ulcerative colitis and Crohn's disease, which right up your alley, and I'm sure that we have yeah, those similar ideas. Great Absolutely. stuff. Congratulations on uh, developing the product. I'm sure some of our listeners will be interested in trying it. It's Atrantil. Thank you, Dr. Kenneth Brown, for joining us. Dr. Hoffman, it is my pleasure. Thank you so much. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and this is the Intelligent Medicine Podcast. As an Intelligent Medicine listener, you know how important it is to ensure that your supplements are genuine, safe, and effective. 
but vetting your sources and tracking down the exact products you need can be a hassle. That's why I'm inviting you to browse my online supplement dispensary at drhoffmanstore.com. We stock only the highest quality supplements, some of which are very hard to find elsewhere. The very same supplements I prescribe to my patients and take myself. My specially curated professional-grade supplements are fulfilled via the Fullscript network. Fullscript is the safest and most convenient way to purchase my medical-grade supplements. Buying through Fullscript offers fast shipping, optional refill reminders, a mobile-friendly site. It's safe, secure, and HIPAA-compliant and offers world-class support. Just go to drhoffmanstore.com to sign up for your free Fullscript account. You'll also receive free shipping on all of your store orders. That's drhoffmanstore.com. drhoffmanstore.com.